Sneaker Love, a podcast paying tribute to our mutual love of sneakers. The game may be flawed, but the love and culture will always be pure. And now, your host with Sneaker Love, Matty Ice. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the third installment of Sneaker Love with Matty Ice. As always, I'm your host, Matty Ice, and this is a Matty Ice Media Network production. How's everybody doing this week? Uh, I like this weekly cadence. It's nice to be able to take a little bit of time to think about what I want to do with some of my other shows. I generally tend to put out stuff twice a week, and that can give me not enough time to think about what it is that I want to put together. But before we get started, uh, hit me up on Instagram, Maddie Ice Sneakers, of course. I've had some people reach out about the new content that they've loved it. I've also had some people reach out about where to buy sneakers, and that's not really the point of this show, and that's not really what I'm I'm getting at. While I always talk about sneakers with you, I'm not really in the game of telling you where to find the shoes that you're looking for. Just talk about sneakers in general, because I think that that's a lot of fun. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter, Maddie Ice Media. I generally tend to post a lot of sports-related stuff, but I generally will put sneaker stuff up there. Uh, if I'm feeling it. And of course, MattySmedia.com for the other podcasts that I either host or support in some fashion. So last week I talked about Travis Scott and I talked about Travis Scott in the sense that his imprint on the sneaker world has really lent itself to today's hype market. That sneakers today are less of a culture and more of a business avenue. That most people are looking to get things that people like Travis Scott are designing because they are looking to be able to sell it or sell the currency around it. And I mean that in terms of, oh, you have the latest Travis Scott shoe, you must be somebody who's cool or or something like that. And I hypothesized that maybe Travis Scott, the original, the Jordan one, the Mocha was possibly what started some of this. And when I went back to thinking about it, I realized that Travis Scott and perhaps even by extension Virgil Abloh might have started what is today's current hype market. We had to go back and think about the lineage and history of sneakers to think about who has had a real imprint on the sneaker game and sneaker culture today. And that person doesn't necessarily have to be somebody new. Sneaker culture is a lot different than it used to be. Uh, When the Jordan brand first came out, it was much a necessity, right? It was more technological, uh, athletic endeavors and so forth, because the original Jordans, if you think about the first few Jordans, were for Michael Jordan to wear, not necessarily for people like me or people like you to go out and buy and uh, stylize, essentially. And I got to thinking about, well, was there like an architect of sneaker culture? Is there somebody who could be pinpointed as maybe the start of all of this? And you might think, well, duh, Michael Jordan. But Michael Jordan really signed off on what was the design of the Jordan 1, or really the the airship before it. But there's a whole lineage that goes along with the Air Jordan line. Of course, its predecessors like Converse All-Stars, Chuck Taylors, right? Things like that. So it's not as if Jordan brand started sneaker culture. That's not what I'm saying. But I think if you look at the most popular models today, what many of the sneakers are that sell today, a lot of them are Jordan brand shoes and they are the old Jordan retros from years past. And who had their hand in that the most of some of the most iconic Jordan silhouettes out there? And that's Tinker Hatfield. And I think that this episode is going to be about Tinker Hatfield mainly because I think he is kind of the architect in many ways of sneaker culture today. And again, just my opinion, 
but I think he is worthy of an episode by himself because I think as we build to something around today's sneakers, the sneakers that are coming out today, I think it is important to lay the groundwork for the kinds of things that have caused or have sort of, I guess, influenced the way that sneakers are today. And, and don't get me wrong, again, I probably will say this every episode, but the way sneaker culture is today, while disappointing for somebody like me who just can't go in and buy the shoes that he wants, and as a consumer, that is always frustrating. We want to be able to have what it is that we feel is something we can afford that's at our disposal because sneakers aren't something that is so priced out as it relates to like cars, for instance. Like if you're like me and you're an upper, upper middle class person, like you maybe won't go out and buy an $80,000 car. You might be priced out of that, but those cars are priced that way for a reason. It feels as if there is a rationale as to why their prices are so high. But sneaker resale prices don't feel that way. And I think most of us know that they are that way out of basically hype. I mean, you know that what drives it is not necessity. It's something completely different. And that's what makes it so frustrating. But let's think about Tinker Hatfield for a second. So while Travis Scott might be the cornerstone of today's hype, I think Tinker Hatfield should be considered the architect of sneaker culture. So if you think about a very loose history of the Air Jordan brand, obviously we know about the Jordan one. Obviously we know you know, what that meant to sneaker culture because we see so many retro Jordan ones. It's one of the most iconic looking shoes that we've ever seen. And it's always going to be that way. It's always going to have that sort of, not hype, but recognition, right? It's always a, a model that's going to be recognized by a lot of people. Even if you think about people like my dad who was an older person when Michael Jordan started playing, the Jordan one looked different than any other shoe out there. But then they tried to keep him by making the Jordan 2 a more luxury experience. And it's funny because that precedes what we know today. I mean, think about what they tried to do. They tried to outsource it, making it from Italian leather, making it look like more of a designer shoe. And what ended up happening is it flopped. But unlike today's standards, where we look at how it flops commercially, it really wasn't about flopping commercially. It was more about Michael Jordan just didn't like playing in it. And that meant more back then than I think that it would today, right? Because so many players today wear their own PEs, but they wear the PEs of a lot of other players. But technology has come so far that you're not going to have that many duds that people aren't going to play in because they take the time and the technology has advanced so much that these shoes are actually going to be good. And maybe they aren't good from an aesthetic perspective, like you're not going to be able to you know, wear an outfit with them, but you're going to be able to ball in them. And that's kind of the point. But if you think about the Jordan 2 trying to go that like genuine Italian leather route and be more of a designer feel, think about all the shoes that come out today, the types of materials that we have at our disposal, or high-end brands like Dior coming out with a Jordan 1, a $2,000 retail price. Would Michael Jordan have liked playing in that? I don't think so. That's not the point of it. But the whole point is that sneakers have changed so much that we're making shoes for something other than just athletic endeavors. So the Jordan 2 flopped and Michael Jordan was thinking about leaving Nike for Adidas, which would have changed everything about what we know about sneakers today. So they called in Tinker Hatfield, who was already working for Nike, and he did some things with the Jordan 3 that weren't that dissimilar from the Jordan 2, but somehow stood out in an iconic way that made Michael Jordan happy from a playing perspective and also even today has lent itself to being one of the most recognizable shoe experiences and had started a lineage of his in which he has had his hand on so many different silhouettes over the years. So many silhouettes that have gotten a, a retro or so many silhouettes that an element of has been taken. I mean, it's ironic that I'm wearing the Jordan 312s today, which have the strap from the Air Trainer 1, which is one of the shoes that he, he designed, right? 
And so, you know, there's so many different influences that Tinker has had on the sneaker world. But if you think about the Jordan 3, one of the things that the Jordan 3 did that has now iconic throughout so many Nike sneakers is a visible air bubble. What most people may not know is that they were using Nike Air since I think 1979. So that technology was being used, just it wasn't like it is today where we see so much visibility around the air unit or the air bubble as they call it. Uh, just like the Jordan 1 where the air unit is embedded inside the outsole, that's the way it was in all the sneakers up until that point. And so just something so small or subtle from a design perspective caused such a huge thing. And if you look at you know, the elephant print, that was a new design element that people had used. Uh, it was just so wonderful. Uh, it added a pop to a shoe that the other shoes just didn't have. Like the Jordan 1 works because of its simplicity, but it's not something so flashy. Nowadays, we can put so many different design elements to it to make it flashy, but it wasn't like that when it first came out. Those original colorways weren't like that. And so that elephant print on it gave it some type of a pop. And then of course we got the back tab. And what did the back tab start? The Nike Air, right? Nike Air branding directly on the back of the heel tab. And that's what we have today where we see it. Most people love seeing that Nike Air on the heel tab, right? We either get the Nike Air, which is for only OG colorways, or we get the Jordan, the Jumpman, the Jordan brand Jumpman. And that's one of the things that people don't like to see on the back of their shoes, although I don't find it personally offensive, but it started. And so the Jordan 3 has come out with some of the most iconic colorways. If you think about the black cements and the white cements, those free throw lines, again, they're like subtle design elements. Like if you look at it in what's been designed today, things look so much more complicated than the shoes back then. But the Jordan 3 revitalized the Jordan brand. And you might say, well, how could it revitalize a brand that was only two shoes in? It kept Michael Jordan there. It kept him happy on the court, which kept him happy continuing to say yes to shoes. And Tinker Hatfield was at the forefront of that. Tinker Hatfield followed that up with the Air Jordan 4, which is personally my favorite Jordan model of the, you know, the 36 lineage. Um, and I think the Jordan 4 didn't do too much to stray from the Jordan 3. But the ironic part, at least for me, is that the wings, right? Those, what they call the wings that keep the shoelaces locked in. And I like that because the original Jordan, right, had the Air Jordan Wings logo. So there were physical wings on this shoe, but they kept much of the midsole, they kept the visible air bubble, and they tried to be lighter and a little bit more aerated with those mesh cages, which we all know. And if you're in the rep game, uh, you will know a cage flaw when you see one, but there's that's another story entirely. So that kind of continued on the trend. And then of course with the Jordan 5, right? These were all iconic Jordan models that Tinker Hatfield continued to make. And you know, looking at a jet fighter, putting those teeth on there, like we know that look. And especially the 3M tongue, which worked so well when Michael Jordan was getting his picture taken, dunking over guys, hitting shots, and it really popped the picture. So, so many things worked about it. So he has done so many of those, the Jordan 6, but the one I think of the most that I think is such a high seller that it's funny, I, I still look at it today and I wonder how it became so popular, but it is, is the Jordan 11. Uh, the Jordan 11 has so many iconic colorways that people gravitate towards, so much so that every December, Nike dedicates a release of a Jordan 11 at the holidays. And think about the ones that you can think of on the top of your head, right? The breads, uh, the Space Jams, the Concords, of course. Um, you know, there's so many that I could name off that I'm just not thinking of right now. But that became one of the most iconic shoes, and it was also in the movie Space Jam. Tinker Hatfield had a lot to do with that, all the way up until, I think, the 13. 
um, and 13, obviously, you know, after a Ferrari. Some of them weren't always great. The Air Jordan 9s looked like boots, but the Jordan 10s had a nice look to them. Um, there's just something to be said about what Tinker Hatfield has done. But in addition to Jordan, the Air Max 1 and the Air Max 90. I mean, that's huge. Those are iconic shoes today that still get made. So many colorways get made of these shoes. And when you think about what sneakers are today, when you think about what it is that we all hype up, right? There's always a beginning to all of this. And it's not just that Michael Jordan wore them. I mean, Tinker Hatfield kept Michael Jordan there and Michael Jordan kept wearing them because the work that Tinker Hatfield did, the design elements that he put into it, had so much to do with keeping Michael happy because obviously the shoe had to look good. Like Michael knew what he wanted to see. It was an aesthetic experience for him. And obviously he knew that these shoes were going to be sold commercially. So it's not as if there was no commercial benefit to be had for a nice looking shoe. But I don't think that when Tinker Hatfield designed these shoes or Michael Jordan signed off on these shoes, either of them thought that it would be like what it is today. But think about every Saturday when we look at our sneakers app and we know that there's a shoe coming out. What are the ones that most people generally tend to gravitate toward? Well, these days it's obviously Nike Dunks because Dunks have had a resurgence and a huge flooding of the market. But think about Jordan 1s, right? And those aren't Tinker Hatfield, but those always sell out. But if there's a Jordan 3, Jordan 4, a Jordan 5, a Jordan 6. Those are all shoes that he has had his hand on. 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Um, all of them, when they come out, they sell out today. And perhaps some of that is due to the influence that Travis Scott has had on the hype game. But I think there has to be a start to that. Travis Scott isn't allowed to make his shoes, to design the shoes that he has. If Tinker Hatfield doesn't design them first or others before him, don't design them first. Like Travis Scott has a great mind for design, but he's not come up with his own shoe. All the shoes that he has designed have been one somebody else has designed. He's leveraging off of already existing designs, which of course they're going to do because that's a great business model. In project management, you always try to emulate something that somebody has done instead of reinventing the wheel. And if you can do that, all power to you. You make a good product and you move forward. And Travis Scott has leveraged off of these models that have come out and good for him. That's what he should be doing. But it's not his design, right? It's not his brainchild. He's leveraging off of something else. And that is coming from Tinker Hatfield. So why do I put this out there? Because I think if you're listening to this and you care about sneakers like I do, you want to learn about them. And maybe you don't know these things. Maybe you're somebody who got into sneakers because your friend got into them or because the people that you know are into them. Some celebrity has worn them and you just want them. And it started from a specific finite period of time. Like I get back into sneakers in 2018, but my sneaker knowledge doesn't start in 2018. When I'm wearing the shoes that I'm wearing today, the Jordan 312s, I know the different design elements that are taken from other shoes to make this. I know that it has Jordan 1 elements, Air Trainer 1 elements, Jordan 3, ele uh, Jordan 3 elements with that neon elephant print on it, right? Those are design elements stolen if you will, or borrowed from another shoe that lend itself to the shoe that I'm currently wearing today. So if you're in the retail market, you're in the rep market, and you're salivating for these shoes that are coming out by these designers who you know because they are in popular culture today, Tinker Hatfield is not in popular culture today. How often have you ever seen him out in public wearing shoes that he has designed? Has he been on Complex's Instagram page? Does he have his own Instagram page? Is he walking the red carpet somewhere? No. He's not on tour. He's not in commercials. He's not, you know, posing for pictures in these shoes. He designed them a long, long time ago. And the people of today are paying homage to his work with the designs that they have, with the experiences that they have, the photos and all the exposure 
that they give to those shoes. And to me, if you're gonna be into something, if you're into sneakers, it's good to know who these people are because there are other Tinker Hatfields out there. I, in this episode, just decided to go after him because Jordan brand and Nike is one of the most recognizable and iconic brands in all of sneakers and apparel. And it just is. When Phil Knight created the or co-created the, the entire Nike company, I'm not sure he envisioned this because there's so many arms of Nike now with their athletic arms, obviously their Olympic training stuff. They sponsor so many uh, college football brands. They sponsor so many pro, pro brands. Uh, you see Jumpman logos on Oklahoma, Florida, North Carolina, Michigan. Like there's not that many Jordan brand sponsored colleges, but think about it. From where it started to where it is now, so many things are different. The Jordan brand logo, would the Jordan brand logo be on these if not for Tinker Hatfield? If Tinker Hatfield hadn't quote, saved the Jordan line with the Jordan 3, um, if you've ever watched a video by Batch Floss and he's done a Jordan 3, he loves to show you the ways in which the Jordan 2 was not that dissimilar from the Jordan 3. That Tinker Hatfield really didn't do as much as people give him credit for, but took the things that probably worked with the Jordan 2 and made it a much more performance and aesthetic experience for Michael Jordan and thus the consumers that are out there. If you've never checked out one of his videos, check it out for Jordan 3. He usually mentions it. It's worth mentioning. And then when you start looking at them, you're like, huh. And that's a great segue to what I think my next episode is going to be about. So I talked about Travis Scott, we talked about Tinker Hatfield, and Virgil Abloh comes along. And Virgil Abloh has done so many things with so many iconic uh, silhouettes for, for Nike shoes. He's obviously the head of Off-White. He works at Louis Vuitton. He's done, he's got a huge, cre hugely creative mind. Uh, but I want to segue to him mainly because he's coming out with a Jordan 2. And you have to look at all of what he has done with these sneakers and it's about paying homage. It's about understanding the past. So many sneaker heads today look at something objectively and don't understand the design elements, don't understand where it came from, the history, the starting point for it. And I beg you, if you're into sneakers and you're listening to this show, sure, love sneakers, but understand them, know them, learn about them, understand the history. Sure, you can look at something and say it's not good objectively. You cannot like a shoe, but don't knock it and not know the design elements about it. And that's why I want to get into Virgil Abloh because Virgil Abloh has done so many things around iconic Jordan models and people I don't think have understood the true design elements around it, the why behind why he has done it. Tinker Hatfield didn't need a why. His why was to keep Michael Jordan at Nike. Virgil Abloh is, again, leveraging off of things that have happened in the past, but he's paying homage to them, similarly to Travis Scott. But I think his designs are much different than Travis's, and so I think it's worth diving into his influence on the sneaker game as we continue to press forward and press forward, uh, getting through all the people that I think are influential and every so often dropping a, a cool shoe uh, coming up every week. So what are you wearing this week? As I've told you, I'm wearing Jordan 312s. It's one of the first shoes I bought when I came back in the sneaker game. I overpaid for them at, uh, at Flight Club, but you know what? I'd overpay for them again and again and again because it has lended itself to all the knowledge that I have and has lended itself to the show that I have now, which hopefully you are listening to and enjoying and learning something from. So again, find me on Instagram, Maddie Ice Sneakers, of course. Uh, I love all of my followers. I try to post some content. I've been posting a little bit more because the weather is getting colder, so I'm able to wear a lot more of the shoes that I like. Uh, but honestly, you know, just hit me up if you want to talk sneakers and you want to talk being on the episode, talking through some of the history. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to get some of the people that I know in the sneaker game on here, uh, like Rare Jordan, 
and you know batch floss would be wonderful but there's so many of them uh if you want to be on the show let me know hit me up and we'll talk sneakers for a while uh of course twitter maddie ice media is the handle i'd love to hear from you and please visit maddieicemedia.com for the other podcasts that i'm on or support it means a lot to me and it means a lot to the channel uh, that we continue to keep rolling and rolling so i hope everybody has a great week i hope everybody uh finds something that they like to wear and if you're unsure about what the history is of it look it up learn something and i can tell you this uh, it will make your sneaker game that much more fulfilling because you know so much more about what you're putting on your feet so don't forget to hug your loved ones take care everybody stay safe and i'll talk to you next week peace the opinions and viewpoints expressed on sneaker love with maddie ice are those of maddie ice and not necessarily those of the maddie ice media network maddie ice does not condone the selling or purchasing of any counterfeit goods sneaker love with maddie ice is exclusively owned by maddie ice and is brought to you by maddie ice media